there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, back at school, the weather. I'm going to talk about the weather uh, because it's <laughs> blistering cold in Madison. Oh, dude, okay. Yeah, I can get it on that. Moose tried to, like, oh. I took Moose outside oh. this morning, and he did not even want to walk. It was that cold. I think it was five degrees when we went outside this morning. It's been like that for two days. So, uh, yeah, man, we are... Living the freaking dream out here in the Midwest. Yeah, the real feel in the negative double digits is not a fun walk. I, yeah. I'll tell you that one firsthand. 
yeah, I've learned that the hard way too when I was up in East Lansing. So uh, Big Ten schools, yes, you, you can't get enough of them in January and February. Um, we will talk about, a, uh, I think, one Big Ten player today. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about a Big Ten player today. We have five guys we want to hit on, all looking more at the back end of the lottery, uh, at least based on current projections and everything. Um, as we dive a little bit deeper into the class, now that we've talked as much as we have about the top end, we'll obviously, you know, come back and, and reconvene on them as the as the cycle goes on. But, you know, we figured we branched out a little bit. So, Jake, where do you want to get started with this, man? I want to start with Ty Ty, as he's probably the prospect I've risen on the most over the past month or so. He's just been flat out good on both yeah. ends, man. It's getting, it's getting really tough to debunk and take away what he's been doing, even if, as I noted in a tweet, it's not really what I – typically want from a guard he's not necessarily creating easy advantage from a standstill he isn't manipulating the defense with his eyes or or ball fakes as a playmaker yet he's still been wildly effective Uh, obviously made headlines with a 17 assist game against georgia i actually don't even think that's like the most impressive playmaking game he's had this year but in that game and basically all the games I've seen over the past month, I've just been continually impressed by his playmaking in the pick and roll, especially to the roll man. He hits tight windows super quickly is comfortable throwing to the roll man. I've seen him force it there a bit and kind of want to see him capitalize on throwing skip passes and maybe manipulating the tag man, but kind of just understand that we have to take with what's in front of us and focus on what guys can do versus what they can't do. And he's been super impressive to me. I want to let you kind of give some thoughts before we fully dive into it. But I just wanted to start that he's kind of the guy I've warmed up to the most as I've learned to set aside some of my preferences and just evaluate what's given in the class. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody who I'm I'm just kind of bummed we didn't really get to see him play against Auburn. I think he only played nine minutes before he ended up leaving the game. Um, That would have been a really good test for him. Um, But I I agree with you. I think – we texted about him earlier this year. I think after I watched the Notre Dame game, a game that Kentucky lost and probably shouldn't have. Um, and I was just like, I don't really know what to think of Ty Ty. Like, I was like, I, I get the idea of him. We both like combo guards more than than most. Um, and I was just like, I, I don't know where I'm where I'm at with him. Like you mentioned, um, one thing that's been really helpful, though, like – I feel like I'd have to go through synergy numbers. I don't have synergy, but um, in going back through and watching stuff today, uh, I feel like Kentucky's run a lot more pick and roll lately for Ty Ty over the last month. And I think that's been huge for him because right now, like one of the things I texted you about, I don't like, I mean, he's not a bad processor of the game, but like he sees things pretty slowly. And I think we even see that in pick and roll, but um, because of how good of a shooter he is, especially, you know, as a pull-up guy, uh, both from mid-range and from three. Um, I think he's really been able to use uh, the ability to slow things down in pick and roll because of how he gets guarded. Um, and honestly, he would have so many more assists if Oscar Sheboy wasn't his role partner because <laughs> Oscar misses everything. Uh, I, I, I mean that in the most endearing way possible because everything that Ty Ty misses at the rim, Oscar cleans up. Um, but yeah, I've really been impressed with him, man. And and something that I think is on the outline that we're going to talk about. I mean, the, the touch has just been ridiculous. Like his his floaters outside of like he has some I will say he does have some really freaking odd misses. Like he had I think I want to say this was in the LSU game. He like pulled up for a floater a that he could have dunked because nobody was in the lane. 
uh, I think Efton Reed like literally like backed up into the dunker spot as Ty Ty's coming down the lane and Ty Ty throws up a floater and it misses the rim by like a foot. And that entire game, his touch was just wide off. But um, regardless, uh, I mean, does that kind of track with where you're at with him right now? Yeah. So I actually went to go pull up his Bart numbers and he is shooting about six, 5.89 to be exact other. So non rim attempt two pointers and is shooting a per game. So he's shot 112 this season in 19 games and is shooting 53% on them. That's pretty good. With only 18 of them being only 18% of them being assisted. So like just backs up what we're seeing on film, endless array of pull-up mid-ranges and floaters. And if you're counting them at that clip at that volume, it's extremely noteworthy and probably one of the better individual skills in the class and it's extremely proficient in pick and roll he has counters he isn't the like most lethal guy off the bounce in terms of beating you in a straight line or having the shiftiest handle I actually do have some concerns about his handle and wish it was slightly better for the role that I'd like him to be in but he does have some counters had a really nice snatch back in the Vanderbilt game that I saw and just knows how to get to his spots and killer in the Vanderbilt look, game yeah he was real good in that game and I just think at some point it's not worth nitpicking all the things he can't do. Like the rim stuff is not great. He only has 40 rim attempts. He doesn't get downhill very often. And when he does get downhill, he, he does not really explode that well. And from Bart and Bart will include transition numbers. So this could be inflated. They have him at 57% at the rim. I don't want to take too much of that because I don't know what is coming in transition, what isn't. So I'd rather look at synergy for that, but I'm comfortable saying he is finishing issues. Uh, it's very evident on film just because of the lack of explosion he's getting only as one dunk on the year. But what he is, is an incredible shooter. I'd like to see the three-point volume increase. That has been something that he's been getting at. I loved one of the attempts that he took in the Vanderbilt game. He ended up missing it, but kind of came around the ball screen, saw he had space, made the proper read against a defender sagging down and got to a step back. He ended up missing it, but that's the type of process that I want to see him as a gunner. I'm mixing some pull-up threes with the mid-rangers, but also don't abandon your spots if you're good at it. And we've read all and on, on and on about good mid-range shooters, that being an efficient shot in the NBA. And I think he's shown every bit of being proficient there. Yeah, I think a lot of it for me, um, and something that I've kind of, I don't want to say changed my philosophy up on, but something that I've thought about a lot this year, especially watching the Cavs, with Darius Garland, um, I mean, like the biggest knock on him is very similar to Ty Ty. Obviously, they're different players, but I mean, Darius is not somebody who gets downhill that often. But if you can make the defense care about what you can do, um, you know, out to like eight feet, um, along with quick decision making, like that's going to be the thing for Ty Ty with me. Like, I think if he's going to make defenses get the full brunt of what he can do as a finisher, it's going to be what he can, you know, find, find out of his reads um, getting more into the paint. And honestly, like I, I, we've talked about this before too. I feel like once he hits the paint, like I kind of like his decision-making. I don't think it's bad. Like I think he's had some really good interior passes. It's when he's out on the perimeter where I think he gets a little bit more tunnel vision and doesn't see some things. Um, but I agree. I mean, like, to see as many, like, I don't know if you watched the Texas A&M game, as many times as that dude's shot got blocked um, in that game and the LSU game. Oh, my God. The LSU game was not good for him at the rim. 
like that he's still shooting like what 54% on twos is ridiculous to me. I have no idea how, um, like, I, I don't know. Like I have just, it's not very often that you see somebody who is so much better taking floaters than just taking layups. It's, it's kind of funny, but, um, I would even say too, like just seeing what he can do with floaters, um, it does kind of lend credence to okay, well, maybe you can do some more stuff getting downhill higher off glass, um, more craft finishes. Um, but I do, I mean, let's talk about the burst and handle like you're talking about, because that's one of the issues that I think pops up in pick and roll for me. Like as much as I've been impressed with his, his ability as a pick and roll player, um, part of it is that as good of a, as, as physical and strong as Oscar Shiwe is, he is not a great screener in my opinion, like, I don't, I don't think he, part of it is probably Tai Tai not selling the screen well enough, but um, if he doesn't get full contact on a screen, uh, guys are reconnecting on the back end so quickly. Um, like he is just very often not getting much of a runway to the rim. I, part of my hang up with Tai Tai still, and I'm very, very into him at this point, but to even be further and be more confident in him. I wish there was some sort of shift there. And I think that's like the starkest contrast between him and someone like Darius Garland is that one, he isn't as quick as someone like DG is, and he doesn't necessarily have the handle or shiftiness either. And I think, as you mentioned, a lot of the times he'll allow some guards to reconnect on the back end or it's a contested mid-range, which is fine. And he's been capable of making them. He's showing us that he's capable of making them. But from a ceiling aspect, I wonder how much low-hanging fruit there truly is because I don't necessarily see him all of a sudden becoming like a guy who beats point-of-attack defenders off the bounce uh, purely. Like, do you kind of see that in his future? No, I don't. I mean, like, I mean, maybe there's a chance. Like, I'm not going to completely roll it out, but I'm I'm there. With no, you. obviously, I, I don't yeah. think he's like a negative burst guy or anything like that. But for somebody who like get like 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 we're talking about, his his handle doesn't have that level of shake. So it's it's asking a lot for both of those to come along. Like, I think he's definitely like has to make his name as a pick and roll guy. I don't really see him being somebody who's going to just um, you know dominate without a screen or anything. I do think though, like. When he is in pick and roll, like you mentioned in, in Vanderbilt, he does do some intriguing stuff in creating space for himself. Once he does get a step or two downhill and, and does get some of his step backs. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. So this is kind of, I want to transition to this before we move on to another SEC prospect. His ideal role, I think it is playing alongside other handlers. Like we say this all the time. He's a guy where I wish he was two inches bigger. Like if this kid was like a legit six, five and a half, it makes the entire pitch so much easier because I do think he is going to have to have some off ball equity when it comes to shooting off movement. And part of the reason why I'm buying him is although he's not really showing that right now, I have every bit of confidence to extrapolate that because of how wildly efficient he is as a pull-up shooter. Like you can't really convince me that this kid who is canning mid-range pull-ups and floaters at this clip isn't going to be able to shoot off of a pin down just because he hasn't been able to show it at Kentucky. Like that's just something I'm willing to translate into other uh, shot types. I do think the passing is something we want to focus on because he is going to pick and roll, but he's someone, and I want to write about this. I actually just started the outline. The difference between decision-making and processing, and this is something we've talked about on the side a little bit, 
Like he's a good decision maker. I trust him when there's a window to capitalize it on a time in a timely manner. And if the tag man doesn't fully slide over and there's a window to slip in a pocket pass, I trust him to hit it. But what you're getting at is the perimeter stuff when there isn't necessarily a read in pick and roll or a window that's presented that he's seen on film or in drills. That's where he underwhelms me a little bit as a playmaker. And I think that does cap his ceiling when you also take into account the burst and the handling issues that we talked about. Yeah. I mean, I I'm right there with you, especially like, I, I just think talking about the, the difference between playmaking and decision-making is huge to me. Um, I feel like so often they get lumped in together and everyone's like, Oh, well, why didn't you make that pass? I'm like, I just don't, I think sometimes we undersell that guys just don't see things on the court. Maybe like, I mean, I know it's easy when we're watching from above or from our computer to be like, okay, well, I can very clearly see Oscar Sheboy slip into space. I'm like, okay, well, if you have two guys who are six, six and bigger or, or whatever, it's just like the speed of the game. There's, I don't, I don't know how else to explain other than saying just because we can see it from where our vantage point doesn't mean that everybody's going to see it in real time like that. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Ty Ty right now. And it's uh I think Ty Ty is better at this than Colin Sexton, but I do think Colin Sexton is a really good point to bring up here. Like a lot of people like, oh, he's, I don't think that many people call him selfish, but like there has been some of that thrown around like, oh, he's selfish, oh, this, that. Like he just like very zonal vision does not see things happen on court. If he could make the pass, like knowing who Colin Sexton is as a player in person, he would make the pass, man, but he just, he doesn't see that shit. So um, I just, I agree. It's a really important thing to bring up when looking at, at prospects. You're muted. <laughs> Got to myself. Uh, You're good. Noteworthy. Save that for later about dude just not seeing things. Uh, yeah. That'll become very prominent. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be. A, that'll be a thing later. Yeah. Uh, do you want to move on to our next SEC guy, Tari Eason? Who, to me, I think, to me, out of the all the guys we're going to talk about, is the most difficult to parse out and, tr- and have a true feel for because. The skill set is kind of all over the place. He's being completely misutilized in his role right now for various reasons. And there's very clearly something there. And it's a valuable archetype as a four who can guard on the perimeter, attack closeouts, even create a little bit. But it's just all sort of sporadic and it comes in a lot of flashes and there are a lot of negative flashes as well of tunnel vision, not knowing when to attack, kind of just always putting your head down and being on go, not a ton of counters, but like, I also don't think he's that far away as a shooter and he has incredible defensive instincts. And we're talking about a fiery competitor to say the least. I kind of just threw it all out there, but like, that's when I first think of Tari, that's everything comes at me at once. And I'm really for the past month, I've been trying to, parse out and say what do we really have here what are we really looking at in translation to the next level and I still don't have a really solid answer yeah I mean I think what I find most intriguing about Tari is like you mentioned with his defense um if he didn't have the defensive level he's at and I just mean like okay he's like a 95th 98th percentile defender at the college level and I think it's in in ways that are going to translate to the league like he is not a disciplined defender but he has the tools and I think in some ways that's more important um like that discipline can come with time it's going to learn that in the nba the hard way for sure but um the fact that he plays the way that he does and has the ability to do it um is what is going to keep him on the floor so that he can play through some of the things that he's doing offensively um 
I would definitely, uh, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but just in watching him today again, I was going back through and watching a lot of his field goals after watching some some more games. Um, I am not there with buying him as a uh, as a somebody who's going to be much of a creator. Um, like I do think he has really intriguing skill. Like the driving is really intriguing until he gets to the rim. And I just am like so unsure how to look at that. Part of it is maybe I'm scarred partially by my affinity for Darius Baisley, but it's a lot of the same stuff. Like he can get there. He can create the separation. It's just the actual finishing. And it's like, if, if you had to guess right now, what is Tari Eason finishing at the rim without dunks? So strictly layups, what is Tari Eason shooting at the rim? In the half court? Yeah. I I would love to know the answer to this with the dunks, by the way, because a lot well, of his dunks, dunks it's a lot fucking higher. Yeah. Because this is my thing with the he, I'm all for taking out like dunker spot dunks where you're just catching and going. A lot of his dunks are like self-created punches. So that's where I would I don't I don't necessarily disagree with yeah. with you. I so what do you think his issue is as a finisher? Uh I, I don't want to just say thought. that he because okay, so this is what's so frustrating. Because they're like when he is taking layups, it legitimately looks like he has no touch. Like some of the attempts that he puts up around the rim, I'm just like, what the fuck am I watching? To be completely honest, like he had an attempt, I think it was against, I think it was against Texas A&M, where it hit the top of the backboard before it came down towards the rim. I actually like. I think the problem is deceleration. Like he doesn't have any deceleration going towards the rim right now, and I think that's why some of the attempts look kind of wild. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Like, I think guys can, like, we've seen guys figure out deceleration, like, um, again, very different players, but like DeJounte Murray was a super prolific driver who had like, he, his finishing numbers were really rough on drives. Um, they're still not amazing, but as his game slowed down, he figured out pacing more, uh, and wasn't just breakneck speed all the way downhill. Um, it, it clicked a little bit more for him and especially with Tari being in a different size, it's different, but they are both from Seattle. So, you know what? Um, so I think to me, a lot of it does stand out as just dealing with his own speed getting downhill because he gets downhill fast. Like speaking of burst, he has burst, which is kind of wild. But um, and even then, like I think to me, that one makes more sense to me too. Cause I was thinking about it today. Like I think I see it more as a deceleration problem because you can't say he doesn't have touch. It's so weird. Like his floaters and push shots around the rim are good. Like he has legitimate touch inside the paint. It's just figuring out how to slow down his body and get more coordinated around there. Yeah, no, he does have touch. And he actually, like, there's some flashes of craft as well. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of lean towards it more being a signal of his creation limitations, just because a lot of the rim attempts that I see him miss and wildly miss are just because the drive was forced. Like, dude, you shouldn't be driving that ball. And I think he drives downhill without a plan a little too often and sort of spams this one counter. Like it's, I have it in my head, it's a little step through counter and he does it all the time driving right or, and going back to his left, driving left, going, cutting back inside. And he just, forces attempts that shouldn't go up so i do wonder how much of that finishing number is indicative on if he was able to be more selective with his attacks or if he was a if he was more selective with his attacks i don't know if lsu is giving him the green light to do what he does i assume there is some sort of mutual agreement because they seem to give him a ton of iso reps but i'm not sure 
And I do wonder, I don't buy him as a creator. Like I want to be very clear on that. I just think he could be, he could bring a ton of positional value as a closeout yep. attacker, as, as a four man. And that's sort of what we've talked about offline air as well. I keep referencing these conversations as prioritizing getting someone who can pressure the defense on redrives. And even when you're run off the line, keep it going. Don't just bail the defense out with a plus one or a slightly contested catch and shoot three. Keep repressuring them with drives and closeout attacks. And I just think he's that's like he's a prospect who's staring you in the face when it comes to that. But there also needs to be a lot of change in his process. Uh, he's kind of just going straight downhill. As you said, he gets down quick and he's at, he's absolutely ferocious, especially on some of those dunks. But there are a few possessions per game where I'm just like, we didn't need to do that. And yeah. obviously for each one of those, you can kind of knock him a peg down. But I just do think there is an innate ability there. And I just wonder how much of it can be reined in. Yeah, definitely. Um, and by the way, he's a 40% on layups in the half court right now. Um, not great. Uh, if you add in dunks, he's at 52% in the half court. So a big difference. Uh, but yes, um, I mean, we, we kind of glossed over the defense, but the defense I was going to say, let's bring it back to the Um, defense. Like, I mean, the defense is the selling point for him. And that's why, again, like what, like you talked about why I'm intrigued by him, because I do think that's, what's going to keep him on the court and get more opportunities to play through things. Cause like you mentioned, um, or shit, I guess let's talk. Can we talk about his jumper first? His jumper looks so much cleaner than 31% from the field. Like, I know that sounds like very, very coachy to say, or like very like old school scout to be like, oh, it looks better than it really is. But um, I just think if he's like, it still needs some things to iron out and it, he, he just has to be more confident taking it. But it looks a lot cleaner than than I think the numbers would indicate. Uh, yeah, in the Alabama game, there were multiple off the dribble threes. There was a hang dribble three. I do not think he's very far away from shooting the ball. And that's yeah. not really one of my concerns, honestly. And it makes it easy, much easier to buy him on offense. I think he should be scaled down a million. Um, and I just don't think he's in a position to do that at LSU right now. And I'm not sure he knows how to do that right now. We see players who are just full throttle straight ahead and aren't fully self-aware. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know which one of which which one it is but i do think in the idealized version of tari in the nba level is attacking closeouts maybe coming off a d or being a dho operator making that read being able to pressure the defense but when you already have a step ahead like i don't he's not necessarily someone that i want just attacking isolate i I don't really trust his process there and i think it's shown by the low field goal percentage in the paint but i do think he will shoot for sure no i agree um, well, yeah, the defense, man, uh, his defense. <laughs> I mean, part of this is like it helps because LSU is – are they still the best defensive team in the country? If not, they're close to it. They, they were for most of the season. They were number one for – yeah, they were number one for a while. I'm not yeah. sure if they still are now, but definitely number one for a while. Um, well, I mean, Tari is a big part of that. He just – I mean, his activity is is frenetic, um, I think is a great way to put it. Like like we mentioned off top, like it needs to be reined in for sure, but uh, he gets his hands on – everything physical at the point of attack um i just i mean he brings a lot of what the modern nba needs especially in like we're talking about in in a modern format who can do what he can do yeah and he's very instinctual i think it's his defense is a little bit of a philosophical question within itself how you evaluate it because he's not disciplined at all Uh, he will overhelp. he will sell out to try to get a steal he will cut cover way too much ground on a dig and instead of staying home there are all of that 
But then there are also these incredible rotations, jumping the passing lane for pick sixes at a, someone who's legit four-sized and is strong enough to bang with those fours down low and body up big wings on drives and like stay with the, some of the bigger guards on the perimeter as well. Uh, you hear so many pe- like things of, Oh, he'll guard multiple positions. Like he can actually guard multiple, multiple positions. We've seen it. And he projects like that as an athlete. So definitely I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see how people speak of his defense. And I think that'll kind of tell you what they value can be taught and be reined in. I personally believe like take the guy with the instincts and then, Bring him in scheme wise later, and you can always punish him for those mistakes and overhelping. But as we've kind of hinted at with the playmaking and processing, it's cut from the same cloth. Either you see it or you don't. And a lot of these guys just don't see the opportunities that someone like Atari or a Vassell in in recent years. They just see things as hell defenders. And yes, they are gifted physically to get there in ways that other players aren't. But you got to see it in the first place and, and react on it. And he absolutely does. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, I think I've gotten to that same point too. Like I used to think all the time, like, Oh, you know, you just got to take the guy who knows what he's doing. Like, I mean, there's obviously a cutoff point with it. Um, like yes. I think obviously yeah. like you can look at somebody like Malcolm Brogdon and like, that's different because injuries played a part in him getting to where he was, but he's still like, he barely meets the thresholds for athleticism in some ways. Like it just, you, it, 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 that's something that we should talk about at some future points. That would be very interesting to dive into. But like even watching Isaiah Jackson play the last uh, last week or two, um, he's making plays that like Tory Craig, frankly, can't because he's Isaiah Jackson. It has a seven, three and a half wingspan and some of the best reaction time I've seen in somebody in a long time. Like people are throwing pocket passes behind him after he got beat and he's getting his hand on it, which is like that's just stuff that you don't see all the time. Um, so I'm right there with you. The skill, like the, the tools that he has are, are extremely important. And I think those are things that can be rated in for sure. One last thing I do want to mention on him before we move on to our next guy, his wiring and um, some of the stories I've heard, like I think whichever organization drafts him will be very telling because he just seems like the guy assuming he does answer enter this year that either teams are going to love him or hate him uh, based on, the personality and I think you kind of see it in the film the energy he plays with and the way he carries himself he's very aggressive and just an elite competitor I mean that's not saying like anything bad I just think like it's going to make sense I think who drafts him without reading too much into it no I get that Um, sure Blake Wesley uh someone I wrote about he is above tar or I think he said I said Tari was the guy I was most unsure of. Blake Wesley's next. And this is coming after I've watched a bunch of Notre Dame games, parsed out all my thoughts in a Stepien article highlighting him. And then I watched a couple more and I'm just like, "Ah, I really don't know where I'm at. Uh, Very interesting skill set. And in a class where there isn't many gambles for me to get excited about personally in the late lottery, mid-teens range, having a freshman with his on-ball creation chops and tools from a height and length perspective is intriguing, but there's a lot going on here. You want to kind of start with your thoughts? Um, I feel a little bit more comfortable than you about Blake. Uh, watching him today, I texted you too, because I was watching, shit, which game was I watching? I think I was watching the, um, I was watching the Illinois game and he was just like very quiet. Might be on. his best game of the year. It, he was so good. Well, maybe this paints my judgment <laughs> too much, but um, <laughs> like, I mean, he was very quiet, like the first five or six minutes and watching. And then I started seeing him use screens. I was like, oh, shit. OK, like 
and this is something you wrote about too. Like he is very, very good at setting up screens, like very good at setting up screens. And uh, it was kind of cool too. Cause even like against Illinois, I think most people look at him and be like, ah, oh, that's not that, that hard of a matchup. Like Illinois has got talent, but like Trent Frazier is insanely not fun to play against on ball when you're playing offense. Um, and I think what I found most interesting about this game, and I know like, I don't want to like throw away your selling point. I mean, throw in your selling point before you, you get to talk about it. But um, I really like his ability to get downhill and get into people at the last second. Like I know he's not finishing awesome at the rim right now, but he's drawing fouls at a pretty solid rate. And I, I like his ability to use his length around the rim too. Like, again, it's not perfect yet, but like, even in that game, he kind of figured out Kofi Coburn to a degree. Like he really, like he had some awesome plays. One of the things that I do kind of like about him, it's not my favorite thing, but because he's not a primary ball handler, or at least I don't project him as that, it doesn't matter to me as much. Like he does the Rick Barnes post up uh, on drives sometimes, but I kind of appreciate it because he doesn't force himself into, into bad shots. Like he'll use it to quit. Like, and he doesn't hold the ball. Like he'll quickly move it, but he, he just tries to protect, protect the possession. But again, like in that game against, um, against Illinois, like he had a drive where he got um, he like kind of came on the outside and then just like hard Euro steps right into Kofi's hip and then got up and got a layup around him. And like, I know again, like th there are real finishing concerns that we'll talk about, but um, I see it with him as a guy who can create out of pick and roll. I think um, his shot to me, like Ty Ty's shot looks a million times better. I mean, Ty Ty's a better shooter for sure, but like, we're okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I'm getting like way too ahead of myself. So I want to start with the creation because I think that's a selling point. We have a freshman who is a legit creator in the pick and roll and has some juice off the bounce. It's funky. It's not necessarily normal. It's it's one of the, like someone tweeted this, like, I think it might've been Cosmos. Like it's not SGA. And I don't, like, it was something like Blake Wesley, like doesn't not, not have, or something like that. Like a double negative pointing that he has hints of SGA. Like, I'm not sure I'd go that far, yep. but it is coming from that same tree of, I don't know how this works, but like it works. And I think a lot of that was in his screen setups, his change of pace, getting downhill, as you mentioned, getting into guys and then le leveraging that. He's just super crafty and like has legit juice as a pick and roll handler. And I love him attacking off, the, off of the catch off ball and like is very decisive with rips, gets downhill quick, and we'll talk about the finishing doesn't accelerate or doesn't explode vertically, but downhill, he gets downhill quick and it's, yeah. and it's ferocious and strong. He's like a very strong driver. So that's what I really like about him. Do you want, we've kind of beat around the bush with the finishing stuff. So he compensates a little bit with a length, but he does not explode vertically at all. And it kind of, when he goes to up for a layup, it kind of looks like someone just like, holding him back like have you ever used vertimax when you're like jumping on the vertimax yeah, i have but i know what that holds about, you down yeah. yeah like that's what it looks like it looks like he's wearing a resistance belt and is like clipped to the ground by these resistance bands because he just doesn't explode at all and it's a weird contrast because as someone who is getting downhill as strongly as he is and then just sort of tries to explode up and gets thwarted and it really shows up. I don't know what the finished numbers are. I think I cited them in my piece. I haven't circled back to them, but they aren't good, if I recall. And all the stuff on film, other than the Illinois game, isn't good as well. And it is very prevalent. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. 
No, I agree. I mean, I, I watched the pick game earlier today too, and he was not uh, not as good in that game for sure. Um, yeah. I, I think too, like how, how young is he again? Like he's pretty young. Um, ESPN just did their 2023 mocks and he was in that. So let me, let me find that out for you. Okay. Well, I don't know. I think part of my thing is that I'm hopeful um, that, and this is more just me projecting than anything else um, that he can grow into his lower body a little bit. Like his lower body is not bendy at all. Like he is kind of high hips um, and he doesn't really get much pop out of his legs. Like not just around the rim, just in general, like that's not really um, part of his, his game. Um, and I think like, even then, I think that showed up in his shot. Like he's shooting 31 and a half percent on the year. What I will. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about his jumper. Say I'm getting too all over the place, but um, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm buying too much into somebody being able to craft finish around the rim, but that he's already shown some of the things that he's doing and figuring out things at the, at the last level. Um, I do find it impressive. Uh and just that he's able to get the fouls is important too. Like, I think getting there is the first step and, you know, forcing the defense to foul you is, is part of that too. Um, I am probably underselling some of his rim issues if we're being honest, but um, I, I don't know. Like, where are you at with that? Yeah. I think it's going to be a real problem at, personally. And mm-hmm. I think he's crafty, but I think he's going to have to be even more crafty because he is just an extremely poor vertical athlete who is only 6'5". And that makes things really, really difficult at the rim. And while he is lengthy and there have been instances where he can get by, it's at the college level. And we're talking about, especially at the center position, completely different athletes from a standing reach perspective, height, weight, like strength, just, and pure timing. They're just better in every aspect. And especially when we're talking about room protectors, I think there's a very huge contrast between like, I don't even know who pit center is. I just picked a random ACC team. Uh, Um, I think it's John Hughley. Um, Played a brush. He was, he was an RCI guy. He's like, he's kind of decent. It's not bad. But like insert random, not to slander anyone's sand base, insert <laughs> random ACC rim protector that isn't like Mark Williams, I, I guess we'll say. And your average NBA rim protector, it's very different. And yeah. I think not being able to compensate and excel or really be a positive or just net average at the rim at the college level is like somewhat of a huge red flag to me. But I, I get why you could buy into him because he is a super crafty player. And you do see that in other aspects of his game. I just, and you see it as a finisher sometimes. It's just not as much as I think he needs. I do want to talk about the shooting though, because the shooting, I'm all over the place. I wrote in the piece and kind of hinted at his mechanical inconsistencies, but I really only talked about it in disparity from his pull up to his uh, pull up to catch and shoot and mid range to three pointer, because I just noticed his release point and how high, how much elevation he was getting the tempo with those were a little off. Then in more viewings, I realized that it's like kind of, it kind of cuts deeper than I initially thought there. He's taking pull-ups in the same game from the same spot on the floor. And they just look very different. And that's like a pretty big concern on my end. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes into your uh, your feelings on whether or not that can change. Like, I, I haven't, like, fully dove into his deeper, but his feet kind of go all over the place in different – like, he, he's doing a lot of different shit with his feet. Um, 
which is just kind of odd. Um, like, like exactly like that's not the kind of thing that you want to see. Um, I, I, I don't know. I will say though, like in watching him, he reads to somebody, I mean, he reads to somebody to me who is going to be able to come off pin downs and do more variety in a shot. Once he irons out some of those things, um, I, I like I don't know maybe I'm buying too much into the potential of him being young and showing these flashes, but I do think that, like that is a big part of the selling point with him, like that he's showing all this self-created stuff. It's not perfect, but you see the framework. Once he irons some things out, it'll be better. Um, I, it sounds like the more that I say it, I know it sounds like like less uh, like more despondent about what his game actually is, but um, I mean. If you don't believe in him becoming a shooter, then I don't know what the selling point is for Blake to a degree. Yeah, but and that's kind of how I ended my little section on him was this is not a bulletproof case by any means, but it's something that I'm going to get excited about. And it's something that's absolutely worth tracking. It's something that's worth tracking for this year as high as a fringe lottery guy. But there are a lot of things that need to get ironed out here. However, like we're talking about him alongside Ty Ty Washington on the podcast and two other guys who have been a lottery mainstays since December. Like this is real, but we also, I also want to be realistic about what he is right now and all the strides he has to make. Um, I want to talk about the passing before we transition to the defense. Cause the defense I'm going to give him some praise for, but the passing, I want to know your thoughts because some of his best passes just come out of drives where he gets into the paint and collapses and has kickouts. And I wonder if that's just more of an indictment on, his creation ability and his and his you know came collapsing defenses and just drawing easy kickout reads because I have been consistently underwhelmed by him as a pick and roll playmaker. I wouldn't even call him a combo guard. He's just two to me. Um like yeah. I don't think he is a very good playmaker right now. I think that he's working through trying to see things like he started to hit some pocket passes um that are like a little bit better in seeing pick and roll, but also like anytime he gets trapped or there's any kind of blitz, he's holding the ball. It's, it's a turnover or he's seeing something extremely late. Like there'll be so many times where his, uh, his big is slipping into space and he just doesn't see it. Part of it. Yep. We'll be honest. Notre Dame's bigs um, from a helping out a prospect standpoint, not great. Um, like it has, it was an experience watching that, but um, yeah, his passing is not there right now. Like, I, I do think part of it, like you can, like, like you were mentioning, I think part of what makes me excited about him is the idea, like, I've seen this stuff with him as a shooter. I think, can he take more leaps as a shooter, which I buy. Like, I know, again, like the percentages are what they are, but I just see, like, the mechanical stuff being able to be tweaked and worked out. Um, it Like, the him not having the, any confidence issues, I love. Like, him just being willing to gun, I love. Um and I, I think like we're talking about on guys who are good with drives and redrives, like he's somebody like you mentioned, I think some of his best stuff is coming once he's getting downhill and then he can just, you know, kind of freely play make like that. But pick and rolls, not for him right now. Like he's somebody who I think will get ball ball handling opportunities. Um, well, I mean, of course, he can ball handle opportunities, but I mean, like pick and roll ball handling opportunities, I think will come to him in the NBA, given where he's going to get drafted. Um, most likely, you know, if the season ended today, um, but it's going to be a work in progress for him. Because especially like like we're talking about the NBA level, um, it's going to be different. And he's like he has more downhill shake than than Ty Ty right now. But um, he also has some of the like his handle is not awesome if if help comes early at the nail. Um, but I feel like he is pretty good at seeing help come at least. So like he'll if somebody like digs hard at the nail or like a big is waiting for him, he'll he'll pull up. 
Um, there's stuff there that I, I find intriguing, but yeah, I, I don't know if that helps at all with it. Yeah. I, he's just not a passer to me at all yeah. right now. And just thinking about all the clips that I put in the piece that were like plus passes, they were all derived from creation and simple collapsing defense kicking out. As I mentioned, he misses a t- you slipping into space. His bigs are slipping to the dunker spot with no weak side tag. And he's not even giving them a look. And then when he does force the roll, it's just the wrong read, plain and simple. And he just hasn't really shown me anything from a processing standpoint or a decision-making thing. Like at least Ty Ty's seeing these windows that are in front of him and capitalizing on them. Wesley hasn't done that. And it isn't for lack of opportunity. He's been presented with these windows and opportunity and chances, and he just hasn't hit them. And I do think at some point, and this is what I got at a little bit with Tari, like for each of these knocks, you have to sort of, knock the prospect peg down a little bit. And when I just talk through Wesley, it's like, okay, we have this 18 year old. He's 18, by the way. So I was going to say, I thought he was freshman. Yeah. We have an 18 year old freshman who is showing legit shot creation and uh, stuff off of a standstill in a high major conference. And he's producing, but then you have finishing issues. You have shooting mechanical inconsistencies. He's a non-playmaker and he's six, five, like, it's tough and it's like there are a lot of things there and he is someone i'm absolutely fascinated to watch for the rest of the season and see if there are any in-season improvements where he nets out in game 26 compared to game seven just these are i think bigger things for him than they are for any other prospect especially just because my lack of priors on him but there's just so many intriguing things there but then i kind of struggle a bit when i put it all together and think about what am I really getting here with this offensive player? And then we'll talk about the defense, but I just wanted to kind of close the door on the offense unless you had anything more to add. No, I mean, I don't really have a ton to add with that. Um, but he's still, like like you mentioned, very worth noting and uh, intriguing to look at moving forward. Um, and I, we're definitely not out on him by any degree. Like, I actually, like, talking no, no, no. about the other end is, I think, what I find. Enti- let's, I mean, let's move the defense right now. The he is a good defensive player. Like he does have, like he can be a step slow off the ball. Um, like if anything happens behind him, but he's very good at the point of attack. Like he's incredibly active with his hands. He had a possession that I'm going to put up eventually from uh, from the pick game where he like, he got called for a foul. You should not have been called for a foul. Dude, like plowed him with his shoulder. But um, like he is, he's a staunch on ball defender. And like he needs to, um, like, he definitely needs to put weight on. Like, he's pretty skinny right now. But he also looks like, to me, he's somebody whose frame is going to grow out. Like, he has room to, to add muscle on and get stronger and add functional strength. Um, but I love his intensity and what he brings at the nail. I would like to see him do more two-hand digs because, like, he had a play, I think it was in the pit game, too, where he literally did, like, three one-hand digs in a row because the ball, like, the – I mean, he was annoying the shit out of the post player. But um, at the same time, I was like, just go with both hands, bro. But – um, like he's very active with the nail he'll stunt um, especially like I don't love the way Notre Dame plays defense they kind of have to because they don't really have a rim protector but um, like he's active man I, I really like him defensively legit good defensive guard prospect I you hit on all this stuff on the ball he is some interesting movement patterns to me because he can get caught with some heavy feet at times when he's biting one way and then guys will snatch back the other. Mm-hmm. And just some weird action. You send these over to Polar and just be like, what's going on here? Because yeah. I cannot explain this, but I know you can, but overall, like that's 
I don't want to miss the force for the trees that he has great activity. As you said, for the most part, he is good moving laterally. And I think is rumored at like a plus six wingspan. That is very evident in passing yeah, lanes. His, his yeah. wingspan is wildly big. He, as you said, he might be a little step slow in seeing things, but the way he like, I don't know how to phrase this, like covering ground in the passing lanes, he'll kind of just extend his arm out. And you're just like, wow, I didn't think you were going to get to that. And he tips it going the other way. So definitely impactful off the ball and more than hold up on the ball, in my opinion. So the defense is an absolute plus with him. I'm buying that. I've, I've seen enough of it. I don't, I don't want to watch him play two, three zone anymore. So uh, Mike Bray, let's get out of that. Uh, but in judging what I've seen so far, I, I've been impressed on that end. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I will say though, part of the reason I've liked getting to see him play in his own is you get to see him really flex his ground coverage. Like, I think that's a cool thing that you do get to see in zone. It's still annoying, but yeah. Um, it's not like, I mean, you get like, I don't know. It's cool to be able to judge somebody's reactivity when, when the ball moves and their ability to actually make up for it. Um, and I think it's been a nice bright spot for him, but I'm going to move on to our next guy. If you are. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I guess we'll talk about Keegan Murray now out of Iowa. Um, you and I are definitely, um, feeling differently about Keegan Murray than I think the consensus has been thus far. And I just want to state right off the bat, this does not mean that we do not like Keegan Murray. Um, but I mean, just straight up right now, if I, I, I don't, if you had to ask me if I would put him in the lottery, I don't know what I would say. Cause I don't know. I, I haven't really formulated my thoughts on where I would put everybody right now, but I don't know. I keep seeing like a lot of surefire top 10 pick stuff. And I just don't know that I can get there. Um, where are you at with that, Jake? I mean, I'm just here to eat my words because I tweeted about like two weeks into the season when Keegan Murray was slaying some Midwestern bums that were mid-majors and not up to par with Big Ten competition. I, I said he was a lottery pick, and I definitely no longer think that. And it's just like the idea of Keegan Murray was a four who could shoot the ball attack closeouts, make decisions, but above all, it was the team defense. Like that was what I was most intrigued with. And it showed up in the first couple of games. He was making incredible rotations, contesting at the rim. And then slowly but surely, it just, you kept walking away from each feeling like, yeah, that was uncharacteristic. That was uncharacteristic until it started being characteristic. And how many times can you see something and not acknowledge it as a trend? I don't think he forgot how to play team defense, but for some reason, you can't, it's hard for me to keep buying into you if your ultimate selling point, in my opinion, at the next level, you're just not doing at a high level anymore. And correct me if I'm wrong, like in my latest Keegan Murray viewings, he just hasn't been a high level team defender. And that's been really hard for me to get past as well as the offense. Uh, I've seen the 35 point games. I've seen his outburst and I just don't, I'm not, I don't walk away very impressed from a prospect standpoint. He's a dominant college basketball player. And I think he will continue to be that throughout the rest of the season. And I think his draft stock probably stays pretty protected because of it. But from an offensive, like from a prospect perspective, I don't know what I'm really buying here. Like with the sixth pick, I want someone I can envision having a high ceiling and being a super valuable second or third guy on a good team. And I just don't really get that from him. I've been impressed with the shooting. He's been a good catch and shoot stencil three point shooter. I haven't checked the numbers in a little bit, but anecdotally and earlier in the year, like he was getting threes. Um, that's 
he has definitely been good there, but it's not like he's shooting off of a ton of versatility. None of it is really self-created stuff and the self-created possessions don't look very like, attainable. And I, I know this kind of is like going on a rant uh, kind of, that seems like I'm just ripping him, but we're talking about a guy who I've seen in at number six in multiple mocks here. And I see like a surefire role player and I don't really know how to justify that. Yeah. Um, I am there with you. Um, I, again, this is not at all a takeaway from any of the stuff he's doing. To me, I view him as somebody who um, maybe at his highest outcome is like a fourth or fifth starter if things really work out for him. Um, but I think he's more of like, to me, like a rotational combo forward. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like he does a lot of things that I think are very valuable in the NBA. Um, like some of his uh, – and I think to me, like him hitting his highest outcome is how the mid-range shot creation comes comes through because he did flex some stuff that I've been pretty intrigued by. Like, I think it was in the Virginia game. He had this one face up that I was really intrigued by. Like I love face up players, especially because he's capable of driving and getting downhill. Like he has a solid handle for his size, albeit not like an incredible handle. Um, But like, I, I don't know. I think I'm definitely lower on the defense. Like I've, I've less on the defense. I think that his block numbers kind of oversell what he can do as a, as a rim protector right now. Um, like I think he's averaging what two blocks per game currently. And I, I don't know, we, we can talk about that in a minute, but, uh, like just to reference the shooting, he's shooting 41% on five attempts per game since big 10 play started, which is very good. Um, and overall, like, just, if you go back to like, right, well, actually big 10 play started, sorry, I sorted it wrong. Big 10 play started. They played Illinois the sixth in December 6th. He shot 34% since then, but um since january when it reverted all the way to big 10 play he shot over 40 percent. point being he has the legitimate shot making he has the height he has a high release point that's the stuff that gets you intrigued about him as as a as a, as a face-up guy who can attack from the perimeter he's been very good around the basket he's opportunistic um the rebounding i will say is like one of the better micro skills in the draft he is a legit awesome rebounder for his size um and I do think that is an important aspect in looking at how he rounds out his game. But um, yeah, I, I don't really have a whole ton else to add on to that on what makes him exciting to me. Like ultimately, especially in looking at his mobility, like I don't think he's super awesome mobility wise. Like I think he's fine for his size, but he reads much more as to me. Like if you go to the, the early 2000s, early 2010s, like he's somebody who's a three, four back then. Um, but right now I struggle to see him playing the three much in the NBA. Um, and I don't really see him as being a five at all either. So it's just like, that's not to say that he can't do things. Like, I think he's somebody you could try and be coverage versatile with. Like, can you come up and play at the level? Can you do more hedging with him or something? I do think he could fit into that, but I also think like, it's not just some seamless fit where you can play him at the three. You're muted. (laughs) I gotta stop doing that. You're good. Um, no, I don't. I don't think really he projects as a wing on either end. And this isn't to say like he might. He's not. He's surefire not an NBA player. Like we're just talking about what I'm looking for if I'm drafting someone in the top ten, mostly, especially top six or seven. Is that I just don't really know what what am I fully buying? What am I getting behind to hit at a high end that gives me a high end outcome? And that's kind of what I'm just trying to 
dig and find something, but I just kind of come up empty-handed. Not to mention he's old. Uh, he's only a sophomore technically, I think, but he's 21 years old and he's just a few months younger than Ochai Baji. So uh, we hear the age thing tossed around with Doug Baji so much. Let's speak and let's be consistent. Um, same thing applies for someone like Marjan Bochamp. Like those guys are all 21 years old. Um, some younger and older than others just by months, but Keegan is not a sophomore age. So if you believe in the age curve, which I do to a certain extent, like that is something to also take into account. And I just think there are things that he does. Like he doesn't need plays ran for him to make an impact. That's definitely a plus. He knows how to find spots. He's good feel for putting himself in the dunker spot, moving slightly without the ball. And like he, I do believe that he'll knock down shots, at, like at least from a catch and shoot level. But I just don't know what I'm fully getting behind to buy this high-end prospect. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think, I mean, like the stuff that I laid out and just kind of giving you the uh, uh, the thumbnail of who he is, like, I think to me, that's something I'm like, okay, I can envision taking that guy, like maybe like 12 to 20 or something like that. You know, like, I think that's yeah. useful. That's useful. This is a guy who could be a starter at some point. But again, like we're talking about, if you're going, you know, top half of the lottery, you have star potential most likely. And I know like this draft's been talked about as a group that maybe doesn't have that same to the same degree. And I think part of that's, you know, you're seeing that play out and, and having someone like Keegan Mock there. But um, I, I don't know. I can't I can't really get there. Do you want to talk about his defense for a second? Because where are you at with his defense? Because I think this is where we probably defer the most with people. Like I just have not seen him as a high level defender. Like you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, his his team defense has been pretty lacking this year. Um but ultimately, like just on his defense in general, even going back to last year, where are you at with him? So the defense, it was really good last year, as in my view, as a freshman. And early in the year, he was making incredible weak side rim rotations, getting vertical, get vertical against shot blockers. And those were against like the mid-majors. And then the first time I remember getting like cold feet after watching him was the Virginia game, yeah. which just like, yeah, like he kind of overhelped a little bit too much. Like didn't really make that backside rotation. It's like, okay, it's one, like, for the most part, like I'm willing to like, give a prospect a bad game. No one's on their P's and Q's all the time. But then it started becoming a trend where he was just lacking discipline, not seeing things that you would expect a plus plus team defender to see. And maybe that you can argue that I'm holding him to a really high standard. But yeah, I am because that's part of the selling point for him. To me, he doesn't offer what he what is he on the offensive end? What high end outcome is there that would validate? him being like a above an average or slightly above average defender like he's gonna shoot it but it's mostly from a standstill without much versatility we are both there without the offense like with the on-ball creation stuff and i don't want to rehash the offensive stuff but my point is you have to bring value somewhere so if i can no longer count on you to be a plus defender or even plus plus defender and your offense is sort of just revolved around being a six, eight play finisher, whether that be in the dunker spot or from three and the passing isn't really moving the needle either. What am I really getting here? And I think that's a worthwhile question that you have to ask. Yeah. Um, well, where are you at on the idea of him getting back to where he was at last year once he does make the jump to the NBA? Cause I do think that's about a possibility. Like, I mean, he does a ton in the offense for, for Iowa, but um I also like, I'm kind of there with you. I'm like, I don't think he is quite like, I mean, it's not like he has like a 35% usage and can't play defense. Like, I, I don't know. I do kind of struggle with that too. Yeah. I, I mean, ideally 
he can revert back to that when he's in a rescinded role. But I, I never walk away from Iowa games thinking he really carried that much usage. Even, even in games where he has like 30 points, it's not tiresome. Like it's not a tiresome 30 piece, if that makes sense. I know like it's like a really big oxymoron, but like that's just my walk, my feelings when I walk away from, and I know this is going to come off like this whole segment is going to come off as like complete slander, but I would love to hear the opposite pitch. It's We're going to get some, I, some I, Iowa fans are going to come for us, man. Uh, I know, which is fine. Like maybe not like I'm, I'm not like inviting all Iowa fans in my DMS, but like to draft people that are like really watching and you see something different, like, please hit me. Like, I would love to talk about this. It's just, I personally don't know what I'm buying at a high level. When you consider defensive aggression, the on ball stuff not fully materializing as much as I'd hope and the age. Like I, I want to hear the case, but I'm personally not there. Yeah. He's currently at 28% usage on the year. So it's not crazy, crazy low, but it's not, you know, extremely high or anything either. Um, are you ready to move on to our next guy? Yes. Let's or the last guy I should say. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Kendall Brown from Baylor. Where do you want to get started with this one? Cause I do think this is our most, uh, I there's a lot that we have to talk about here. That's all a lot of, a lot of hypothetical and theoretical stuff. Yes. So Kendall made waves. We've kind of been talking about him since preseason, but made waves early in the year when he was just dominant. Actually, wait, can I, can I stop us for a second? You brought up Kendall Brown on the pod before the Baylor season even started props to you. Good, sir. Um, I brought up Malachi Branham before the season started and he's getting talked about (laughs) as a draft prospect. Now, after I said he would not be a draft prospect, but it was possible. Um, we're, we're amazing, man. We're clearly, we should be getting even more hype than we are, but, uh, continue. That was also slash S as sarcasm, but, uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, so we brought up Kendall and the idea was, or my idea coming out of high school was this athletic four who had way more passing chops than he was giving credit for, but the on-ball stuff was a little bit funky and the shooting was a little bit funky and that dude is just like really come to fruition in, in every aspect at Baylor. I think he's like, I don't know. I hate saying like the most X in the draft, but I can't really think of a guy who's more context dependent. Like if he's in a free flowing motion offense where he's going to be surrounded by heady cutters and relocators who are going to give him windows to make decisions, he's going to be playing in space, running in transition, used creatively as a role man and screener off the ball for him to slip and just like, things like that, Golden State, Golden State, uh, then I'm all the way in. Like, I think he blends right in. I, I do some of my same worries with someone like a Keegan. I worry a bit, a bit about the high-end ceiling stuff, the shooting. He doesn't shoot really at all. There are some weird clips of him in high school, like making pull-up threes, but the volume is just not there at all for me. And it's like, he hasn't really given me much to buy at all. Like, I don't really have any reason other than a gut feeling, which I don't have, but like, there, there's not really anything to bet on yet, but he is a real, pa- like the passing is real. Um, I, I think his assist numbers have slowed down a bit, but I just watched the Oklahoma game among some others, but really popped in the Oklahoma game, him getting into the lane and making just good drop-off after good drop-off. And the dude's 6'8". We don't see a lot of guys doing that in in college basketball. So I really do like the passing. Uh, the shooting, not really there that much. The defense is super inconsistent. And like that's where things start get getting even more wonky for me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, you're 
I like I'm right there with you in terms of uh, him being very context dependent where he gets drafted. To. I mean, to a degree, everyone is, but I think he specifically, like, if he doesn't, get, if he gets put, you know, if he gets put in an offense and is told, oh, just go, go to the corner and shoot threes. Well, okay, he doesn't shoot threes. Like, yes, you may want him to, um, and I think he's a guy who could be a shooter in time. Um, like, hopefully, like I, I think, like I don't know when he does actually shoot his jumper. Like, it it doesn't look bad. I just would like to see him actually take them. Um, but I I think if he goes to the wrong place, it could be very detrimental for for what happens with him uh, on his on his rookie deal. Um, I'm probably less worried about the defense than you are. Like he has real gas as a, as a defender. Like he is um, he's somebody who I think if if you just cut up the highlights, it looks like an awesome defender. But um, like he he overshoots a ton. Part of it is is Baylor's system, of course. Like the Baylor's system is very aggressive, but like he is not a good off ball defender. Falls asleep all the time, especially like the, I the, we could cut up so many clips of guys coming off the weak side corner because Kendall's ball watching um, and getting an open layup or dunk because of that. Uh, he can be like way overly aggressive. He's not super strong on the ball yet because he's kind of high base, but. Um, I mean, the framework is there for him to be a very, very good defender at the NBA level. Like, so I'm trying not to sweat it too much. Like, I, I don't want to just do the quote unquote Aaron Gordon comp, but like, I do think it's kind of in that same vein of like, this is somebody who is going to need to develop quite a bit at the NBA level. Um, but like the the framework is there for him to be a very good defensive player. Like he has the instincts too. Yeah, so initially when we first talked about him as a Baylor guy, I think maybe it swayed a little bit when we did the first pod college season. Like, in my first couple of viewings, I was like, oh, he's a good off-ball defender. And, like, that quickly shifted as he got back a million times and was, like, late on some rotations. And then I was thinking, like, why did I ever think he would – like, what did he show that led me to believe in the first place that he was a plus off the ball? I think I might buy the on-ball stuff a little bit more than you, but I do want to focus on the off-ball stuff for now. And I was like, oh, because he properly zoned up and like really split the difference really well and jumped the pass for pick six multiple times in the first few games. And then I was just like thinking, I just think he's ball watching a lot on off on defense off the ball. And sometimes it works in his favor because Baylor forces, like Baylor most times can force you, try to force you to the baseline. They're going to bring help, and it's the backline guy's responsibility to zone up. And in a lot of schemes that aren't Baylor, the backside guy's late because they didn't know the guy that the ball handler was driving, and that help came, so they don't help the helper. Kendall always knows the help is to help the helper because he, like, is way too keen on the ball. So that just, like, I had a kind of an epiphany where I was like, oh, this guy is really zone aware, like, is really aware of zoning up the backside, but it's, like, partially the reason why he gets back cut all the time. And so I do think that's something like I picked up. I don't, I don't like inside his head. I don't know is what he really thinks, but I do think it's a real tendency. And I'd love to see teams try to counter that with like a back cut because he's not like I'm doing that as if people can see me like head down the circle, <laughs> constantly checking back and forth. Like that's what you see the best team defenders do is when they are engaged in help, still checking to make sure they're not getting back cut. And he doesn't really do that. Again, like there is some foundation because he does have some instincts and he is a wild athlete. Uh, and we're talking about a, in a straight, running in a straight line, making breaks on skip passes when he does see them. Like he, there is a real athletic foundation. I just don't really think he's there technically as a defender yet. 
Yeah, no, and I think that's something that will come with time too. But um, like I, I'm there, uh, like I'm there with you. He looked so much better defensively the first couple of games than he has, especially since Big Twelve play started. Um, I think offensively is just where it's so interesting too. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, uh, like like I think especially like you're talking about with context is where it's so important offensively. Um, I mean, how do you envision him being used in an NBA offense? I think about this way too much. It it has to be in a motion heavy scheme where he's being put like there are there needs to be gaps for him to make an impact in. Like he's a good cutter, but there needs to be a window for you to cut. And like if he's I don't think the way to best utilize him is to stand in the corner because I don't really buy him as a shooter and the closeout attacking, it's kind of there, but he doesn't really have any counters when he gets walled off. So I'd kind of rather employ like a real shooter who has some, who has like the same amount of juice off the bounce than him, who is a very good cutter, but isn't going to be a reliable floor spacer for the first few years, in my opinion. So I just think it's really tough, like from an opportunity cost, when you're looking at opportunity costs, like what do I lose by playing him? Like, well, you gain a very unique edge in cutting and positional passing, but it might not all be worthwhile if defense is just going to sag. And I don't really know how to use him because I don't trust the handle that much and the passing is real, but he struggled to score in big 12 play. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because teams just aren't respecting him that much. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about his touch? Like, do you believe in his touch? Uh, I don't know, to be honest, but do I believe in it to project him as a shooter? No. Um, Do I believe in it to an extent that he can maybe make a living off of these push shots in the paint after he gets walled off and doesn't until he develops counters? Maybe is that a scoring avenue? Because he does settle for a lot of them, but he makes some of them as well. Uh, Those running hooks or push shots because he doesn't really have the handle or footwork footwork just yet when he's cut off to to counter that as a score. Uh, Is that kind of what you're hinting at? Yeah, I mean, that's why it's so hard with him because I think um, – I, I I don't know. Like, I think there's, like, a tendency to look at some guys who are maybe shaky shooters but have the playmaking be like, oh, well, they can just be used as, like, the Bruce Brown mold. Um, I think what's tough with that is, A, Bruce Brown's floater fell off this year. Like, it's not terrible, but, I mean, he shot it – I think he shot, like, around 45% on floaters last year, which, like, that's good enough where defenses have to worry about it and you're actually punishing a defense by letting it – by him taking it. Um, the problem is once it falls off, what are you going to, and B like, it's been very clear. Steve Nash just does not want to use him as a crutch this year. Like they wanted to try and find other ways to get things going in their offense. That wasn't just playing Bruce Brown there. And while I think we can look at it and be like, well, this is, you know, it's, it's effective. It's good. Like it is also wonky and it does make things different. So I think there's like, it's just so much harder to be somebody who is creating on the margins like that. I think it's different with Kendall because he's a legitimate lob threat and Bruce Brown is not like, and that's like the most notable role. I think you can pull up with him. Like um, that's what I think makes it different for Kendall. Like, I think you can legitimately look at Kendall and be like, okay, this guy, even if he doesn't have, like, he doesn't have a post game. He's not somebody who's going to back you down in the basket. If he does get like a mid post touch or something like that, but like, okay, can you run quick DHOs with him? Uh, like running in like, or even just anything that's a quick action of him up from the dunker spot, setting a screen and then, or, or ghosting a screen and then going towards the rim again. Like, I do think there's a lot where you can do things with him playing four out one in where he's kind of operating in the middle and trying to find ways to use his passing vision. But the issue too, is like, I think something that I've taken away more this year 
and this is not saying I'm an expert, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I think I've just seen a lot more tendency from NBA coaches to if this guy has a skill set that I have to change up my philosophies to use it or my playbook to use it, I don't want to use it. I'm going to try and get him to use, to, to be utilized in, in my system in the way that I want to use it. And if it doesn't work, then sorry, man. Like, I, like I, uh, so it does give me some pause, but I do think like if an organization is really bought into making Kendall uh, work and getting the most out of him, I do think it's worth it. Like he does have some legitimately crazy good tools for somebody his size with his build and athleticism, but I just think it's going to be a lot harder for it to manifest than we maybe initially thought in the first, you know, two or three weeks of the college season. No, absolutely. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if there are more examples of these undersized players who are uh, doubling as offensive fives when there clearly aren't, but it's like Bruce Brown and Gary Payton, the second are like the yeah. two that and even Gary Payton shooting. Like, I think he's taking like three or four, three threes a game and he's hitting well enough where it makes the defense like pay for it. And it, will that change in the playoffs? Possibly, but exactly. Like, like you mentioned, there's just not a lot of guys who are able to and, live on the margins well enough to make it work. And Gary Payton the seconds played at like an all defense level. Like it's not just, he's a good defender, but he does enough offensively. Like it's yeah. No, I mean, those are two teams and one of the teams has Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Harris, and, occasionally Kyrie Irving and the other one has Stephen Curry like it's all that needs to be said and Draymond Green on the defensive end and now Clay Thompson like those are two of the more (laughs) unique and advantageous situations to let someone make an impact who isn't going to be able to and I know you said Gary Payne's shooting threes but like there's going to be more space in those two cities than like most other teams in the NBA um so I just think it's you're it's hard you don't want to get carried away projecting a square peg in a round hole for 26 or to 28 organizations like that's tough and I'm not it's not saying that Kendall can only go there but it's just saying that the idea like I, I just want to be very careful projecting him into certain roles that are really only used and pulled off by elite teams with elite offensive players that surround and enable that role to even exist. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Like I think him playing mm-hmm. alongside capable veteran playmakers would be ideal for him. Like, and getting to play, like you mentioned, a more motion-based system or just getting to do things that are more aligned with what he can do. Like playing kind of like doing more Thad Young things, let him be a screener, let him use his vision, find ways to, to get him, you know, opportunities in the short role, like anything like that. Because I, and I think one of the small inhibitors too, is just going to be his willingness to shoot because that has been an issue for him this year. Like he, even when he's at the rim, like he has, I mean, he is the best physical player on the court, on the bench, on anything in the entire arena. And he does not like to finish through contact right now. Like that's a very real issue for him. Like he'll try and do little touch shots and floaters instead of going fully in through contact and that's something that's definitely going to have to change at the next level. But again, that's a wiring thing. So I'm not sure what that's going to be like. I didn't, I'd have to go back and see what he did like EYBL in high school. So I don't know if that was a thing for him there, but um, it's definitely something that um, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, haven't seen any of his AU stuff, but in the sunrise games, I've seen still pretty gun shy for the most part. Well, Jake, is there anything else that you uh, you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Nope, not at all. I uh, kind of 
gave all the Kendall Brown thoughts, gave all the thoughts on all of our other guys. Um, I think this was a conducive episode. Like, please, Mark and I definitely feel like we agree too much. So if you have opposing takes, like, do not hesitate to shoot the pod DM, either of us or DM. Like, love to talk it out, maybe even on the pod. Like, I, I don't <laughs> want this to come up on every week. We just gang up and, like, bash other people's opinions or just, like, unite on a certain take. Like, we would love to hear the contrary. So the door's always open. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Jake and I definitely, uh, we try very hard to to not make it like that at all. Um, and we we just want feedback. We would appreciate a ton of feedback. Um, so thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, we really appreciate it. We love doing this. So let us know what you think. Um, I hope that you're having a good day. Thank you for listening. Most importantly, just have a good weekend. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.